Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in the middle of a conversation that we've been going through that we've been calling Pivot Points. And this conversation came about because change is hard. I don't know if change is hard for you, but it's super hard for me because I'm a planner. I'm a strategist and I like to think things out and come up with a plan A, B and C. And then when the Lord says we ain't doing none of those bothers me. But change is a part of life. Transitions happen all the time. And just like anything else in our life, we need to know how to handle it from a biblical perspective. We need to know what the word of God has to say about change. When he asks us to make a pivot, how are we going to steward? Are we going to complain? We going to cry? Or are we going to surrender? Are we going to trust? Are we going to have faith that he's all-knowing and all-powerful. That, that's the point of this series. And here's the big thought. The big thought is that God brings change into your life in order to change you so that you can change the world. He has a plan for the change. He has a purpose for the pivot. We're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture today in 1 Kings the third chapter. Who's got a Bible Bible? Nobody. My God. I'm a bad pastor. There's one. There's one. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? <laughs> I think we should normalize Bibles in church again. I don't know. We'll always have the scriptures on the screen, but I think it's, it's a muscle that a lot of people are missing out on when you turn the pages of your Bible from one book to the next, from one chapter to the next, from one scripture to the next. It's a, it's a muscle that we should be working to develop. Um, so go with me to 1 Kings 3 and 7. We're going to be taking a look at Solomon. This is at the point of his life where he is the newly crowned king. He has um, replaced his father. His father is gone now, King David. And now he's the king. And um, he comes back to the Lord at this point of his life with, with a request. We're going to read about it starting at chapter, excuse me, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. 
So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, we could learn something from that. I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Today I'll be teaching from the topic of you got this. You got this. Let's pray. Lord, we surrender all to you right now because we need to. Some of us came in with heavy loads. Some of us came in on our last leg, running on fumes. And even if that doesn't describe us, we still need to surrender to you because you know better than we do. So we just ask in this moment that you open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you, to not just hear what you have to say, but it, let, it, let it resonate in such a way that we become different. And Lord, we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, you got this. So my wife is crazy. It's okay, it's Father's Day, I can't get in trouble. Now I don't mean that like she's crazy like all the time, but some, there's been several times in our 17 years of marriage where I've said to myself, she's crazy. Here's, here's one example. One time we were, we were on vacation in Mexico. And she thought it was a good idea to go zip lining in a Mexican jungle. And I said to myself, she's crazy. But I couldn't say that out loud because I didn't want to be looked at as a punk. But when it comes to heights, I, I am a punk. I don't like heights but I don't like getting punked. So I went along with the crazy adventure in the Mexican jungle. So we, we get to this contraption that we have to climb to get to the point where we zip line. And here's the thing, guys. As I was going up the stairs, it was moving. I don't like heights, and I definitely don't like heights and moving stairs. And she's trying to console me, like, it's going to be all right. And she's touching me and stuff. And I said, can you not touch me right now? And can you not talk to me right now? I need to focus. Now, I like it when she touches me, right? just not when my heart is full of terror. And so she's telling me it's going to be fine. But I don't really care about what she's saying because I'm afraid. So I keep going and I keep going and I keep going. And eventually this is what I see. That's what I said. Wow. Because sometimes 
When we pray and ask for elevation, we don't realize the emotions that come with being higher than we once were. So I get all the way to the top, to the tippy. And this whole thing is wood. I'm like, I want some metal, some concrete, some stud, something. So I'm on the little crickety stairs, and at the very top, there's a worker. And he's chilling, like he's squatting, like just having a good day. Even with all this stuff shaking, I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, I'm like, are we sure about this? He was like, it's going to be fine, man, we go. He says, no big deal, you got this, no worries, you got this. And it was something about him, somebody who was used to being at that elevated position, speaking into my situation that brought a little bit of calm to the situation and allowed me to kind of suppress the fears and suppress some of the emotions and find a little bit of hope enough to click and go on the ride. And as we take journeys with God, sometimes our pivots are to the left. Sometimes our pivots are to the right. Sometimes our pivots are up. And it's important that in each and every pivot, each and every change that he brings our way, we take a heart posture that says, you got this. But it's not a, you got this from, from him to us. It's a, you got this from us to him. It changes everything when we place our pivot back in his hands. That's where we find King Solomon. He is now officially the most powerful man in the world. And he comes, he comes back to God. So you know what happens for us when we get the promotion? We stop talking to God. We move from surrender to consumer. We ask God for the promotion and we got it. Conversation over. We ask God for the spouse and we got it. Conversation over. We ask God for the house and got it. Conversation over. We move from surrendered. Why are we rolling around in sackcloth and ashes, putting oil on our forehead, praying for a breakthrough, and then we get the breakthrough and we just go on about our life as if, we don't need him anymore because we're taking the wrong you got this approach. We're telling ourselves, now that we got it, we got it. And as a believer, that's the wrong posture to, to take. I think we should be a little more like, like Solomon because here he is, newly minted king, he could have just followed the blueprint that he saw growing up. He grew up royalty. He was a prince before he was a king. He saw how his father governed. 
He was revered and loved and respected. He could have just ran the play that his dad ran. But he didn't. He chose to find out what God had to say after the promotion. He chose to find out what direction he should take now that he got even more than what his heart's desire was. And ladies and gentlemen, we are all going to face transitions, promotions, relational changes, health changes. And we have to know, like on the depth, in the depths of our soul, that not only do we need him to get through the situation, but we need him every step past the point of the pivot. We don't just need him to fix the situation, we need him to walk this thing out. In other words, we need him every single step along the way. It's important that we take God's wisdom with us wherever we go. I'm going to say it one more time for the two people that take notes. It's important that wherever we go, we take God's wisdom with us. That's not just applicable to Sunday morning services. Every area of our life, we need his wisdom to be smart about how we handle things. So I'm going to share four quick thoughts, and then we're going to go about how to have the right, you got this posture. And I think it's important that, number one, we recognize your need for God's wisdom. There first has to be a recognition, a recognition that you need God's wisdom. It's a big, 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 big trap for us, this information age that we live in. Because we can just Google anything and find all kind of answers and results. And based upon all the Googling that we do, we start to think that we're a little wiser than what we actually are. We start to form opinions about certain situations and we spout it off as though it's gold. Like we know what we know. You can type my name in Google right now. You got to make sure you spell it right, but you can type it in there and all kind of stuff will come up. Oh, I've been on this and I've been there. I've been in this publication and you can read all these different interviews that I've been on and you can form an opinion about me. But you won't know me based upon Googling me. You might know some things about me, but you won't actually know me by what Google presents to you. Even though what they present to you will be factual. It still doesn't give you the ability to know me. You just know about me. And so how do we recognize the fact that we need God's wisdom? Well, we have to recognize that based on our relationship with him. The reason a lot of us don't recognize that we need him is because we don't know him. We just know about him. We heard a few sermons. 
We memorized a few scriptures. We got a few gospel songs on our playlist. And we know some things about him based upon what they say in their songs and their sermons and in the scripture. But we have not cultivated a relationship with him for ourselves. And so therefore, we think we got this. Because when you know how powerful he is, you will never want to make a move without him. You will always surrender it back to him like, Lord, you got this. You got this. What, what, what do I do? 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 That's what Solomon was saying. Look at it again. First Kings 3 and 7. Now, O oh Lord, my God, you made me king. He didn't say my bloodline. He didn't say my inheritance. No, 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 no. He said, Lord, you did this. So what are we, what are we about to do? I'm the king because you allowed it to be so. How many of y'all go to work with that posture? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. You there because of your degree, right? Huh? You there because you are so good at building a resume. Yeah. You're there because of your licenses. That's why you're there. No. No, Solomon said, you did this. I am king because you made it that way. When are we going to realize that we are only kings and queens because he made it that way? The promotion is not enough. Because you can get elevated and be freaked out by what you see when you get up there, like I was. It looked nice on the picture, but in real life, I was shaking. It wasn't just the stairs shaking. I was shaking too. And I needed somebody who was familiar with that level of elevation to calm things down for me when I got there. This message was almost called the emotions of the promotion. Because we don't realize what we're asking for when we pray these things to God and he gives it to us. Lord, I want that successful business. All right, boom. But you forgot to pay taxes. You forgot that as an entrepreneur, you get double taxed. As the business owner and an employee of the business, that's another sermon series, but you need to know that stuff comes with the promotion. It's not enough just to get the promotion. You need the wisdom to go along with it. That's what Solomon is showing us. Oh, Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. He's the most powerful man in the world. But because of his relationship with God, he realizes that the weight, the, rever the reverence that he has on this earth still is nothing compared when he's in the presence of the almighty God. I may be king, but in your presence, I'm like a little child, not knowing what to do. When, when we going to get that back in our hearts? When we going to come back to God like, God, I don't know what to do. When y'all going to stop fronting? 
I mean, y'all be at work front like you got it all figured out. I know I did. Y'all know what they say, fake it till they make it. That's a good tweet, but that's a bad way to live. You just, you just lying. I'm about you certified and this and that and the other, and then they put it before you be like, um, be on YouTube trying to find tutorials. But what about if we stayed surrendered? If we stay with a posture, Lord, thank you for the promotion. Now, what do I do next? Hmm. Now, promotion is easy. That's easy to be like, amen, preacher. That's right. When I get my next promotion, I'm taking the Lord with me into my promotion season. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But can you trust God when he pivots you from married to divorced? Is he the same God when you got the marriage decree as when you got the divorce decree? Is he the same God that gave you the offer slip when you got the pink slip? Can you still be surrendered when the pivot isn't as appealing? Will you still serve him? Will you still ask him for help? Or will you do like most of us do when trouble comes, we go within. We tell ourselves, we got this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm self-made. Ain't nobody ever gave me nothing, so I don't need nothing from nobody. Y'all know how y'all do. The trick is being surrendered no matter the season. It's called faith. You don't need faith for things that you have control over. You don't need faith for things that you can figure out on your own. You need faith for the stuff that don't make no kind of sense. Kind of. It's not in the dictionary, but kind of is a word. K-I-N-N-A. Because here's the thing, man. When we are engaged or when we are starting a career or when we are launching a business, our head is just full of dreams of how things are going to go. We dream big and in color and ambitious. But we forget this fun fact that God's plans are always bigger than our dreams. So on your best day, your best dream is too small compared to the plans of God. <laughs> and he gets to decide how things are going to go. He has the final say. Remember we talked about Moses last week? Remember now, he was a deliverer from the beginning. When he saw that Egyptian mistreating one of his Hebrew brothers, something rose up in him. He began to see himself as a deliverer. That's why he was looking around to see who was looking. Because he started to see himself as a deliverer. And he made a plan. It was a terrible plan. But his plan was based on what he saw, what he was capable of dreaming. And it could not compare to him 
leading two million people to freedom with miracle after miracle after miracle taking place. All he saw was one Egyptian mistreating one Hebrew, and that was as big as his dream was. And some of us are stuck in our dreams that we can't see his plans. And when his plans don't look like our dreams, we run the other way because we want our dream more than we want his plan. We trust our dreams, the things that we crafted with our finite ability, more than we trust the infinite plans of God. Why? Because we don't know him. We don't recognize we need his wisdom because we don't recognize him. We don't recognize how powerful he is. So that's step one. We got to recognize that we need his wisdom. Number two is we have to raise our decision-making to the standard of God's word. This will be the amen list point. Because as believers, we actually have a standard that we're supposed to live by. Yeah. Yeah. He put all these words in this here Bible to give us a standard to live up to. I know I'm supposed to just, you know, tell you that you just pray real hard and, and the blessings of the windows will open up and come down and, and pour you out a blessing. But you got a standard you got to live up to. We're going to teach the whole Bible here. You have a standard for your life, believer. You don't get to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it with whoever you want to do it with. Because there's a standard. And I'm not scared to tell you about it. When we have decisions to make, we need to weigh those decisions against the standard of his word. How does this decision line up with his word? Because his will sounds like his word. His voice sounds like his word. He's not going to say anything that goes against his word, and he's not going to ask you to do anything that goes against his word. So it's important that you know his word. Because in order for you to raise your standard to the standard of his word, you got to know what's in here. The problem is you only read it on Sundays at 11 a.m. And you just look at a screen. You don't even remember what we talked about. I told you this was the amen list point. But the truth of the matter is how are you going to know his standard if you don't take any time to read his standard. How are you going to know how he wants you to live if you're living on a once a week diet of his word? That's a recipe for disaster. Look at what Sol Solomon said. Remember, we're using him as an example. He said in verse 9, give me an understanding heart. He could have asked for a lot of things. What he asked for, he said, God, give me some sense. I could really mess this up. But if you give me an understanding heart, I think I'll be okay. He said, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who 
by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? You can fill in the blank with a lot of things. Maybe you don't have a government to run, but maybe you have a family to run. Who by himself can govern these kids? Whom by himself can govern my crazy husband? Whom by himself can govern these crazy co-workers? You can fill in the blank with whatever. The problem is you're not filling the blank. You're just doing you. You're just going about your business all on your own. Why? Because you got this. Right? That's why you don't seek after his will. That's why you don't ask him for help. That's why you don't ask him for wisdom, because you got this. That's what you told yourself. Matter of fact, that's what some of your coworkers told you. They told you how impressive you are, and you believed it. They told him how much a leader you are. You were like, you know what? You're right. I am a leader. And then you go back and get your MBA. Then your professors tell you how awesome you are. And then you put it up on, on, on the wall so you can see, look at that, MBA, leader. You getting cosigns from every place but heaven. And that's why you're not as fulfilled as you could be. As you, if you were moving with a surrendered heart, asking God what to do with this. You ask him for the business, but ain't talked to him since the door's open. For real? I mean, I know the customers like what you got going on. But if you want this thing to last, I suggest. Who am I to govern these chicken wings? By myself. Who am I to govern this not-for-profit by myself? Where is your surrender? Did you leave it at the point of the promotion? Did you leave it at the point of the pivot? Once you got it, you went from surrender to consumer. You left him. You left his wisdom behind, and you've been operating using your own wisdom ever since. And that's why you feel the way that you feel. And that's why you're getting the results that you've been getting. Because it sounds real good to you. <laughs> but you ain't God. Like when I was going up these rickety stairs and my wife was talking to me, she loved me. She wanted nothing but the best for me. But I couldn't receive what she was saying because the terror was too strong. I needed somebody who had been there and done that to bring me that peace that I need. So you don't need just anybody speaking into your life. Even well-intentioned people can speak the wrong thing into your life and give you a false sense of security even though they love you. It's important that you always stay connected. The Bible calls us, calls him divine and us the branches. 
You know what happens when branches get disconnected from the vine? They die. And the metaphor is to keep us in a perpetual state of wanting, hello, to be connected to him. It shouldn't be drudgery. Like, oh, let me ask God. Let me pray about it. Like, what? You should be in awe of the fact that he allows you to come into his presence and bring your little business plan, bring your little marriage, bring your little kids, and ask him what he thinks about it. That's the difference between somebody who knows him and knows about him. Because if you knew him, you wouldn't hesitate to come into his presence with every single decision that you have to make because you know that his wisdom will give you the right answer and your wisdom might blow it. So after you recognize your need for God's wisdom and then after you raise your decision-making to the standard of God's word, number three, you have to realize the transformational power of God's wisdom. Like his wisdom has the ability to completely change everything for your good. Transform means that what is on the other end doesn't even look like what was before. It's not a remix. It's a transformation. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here it is. Do not depend on your own understanding. Why do we spend so much time depending on our own understanding when the Bible says, do not depend on your own understanding. You know why? Because you don't know him. You know about him. And that's why you keep telling yourself you got this. Because you don't even read your Bible. Because the same man that asked God for wisdom is the same man that wrote this verse that told you, don't lean to your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. Don't just seek his will on Sunday morning. Seek his will in everything, every decision. Big decisions, medium decisions, small decisions, double extra large decisions, all sizes, all types, all directions. Seek his wisdom and he will show you which path to take. You're so busy choosing the path that looks best to you. And the devil know what you like. So he's going to make the wrong path look right. And he's going to, that looks good. Trap. Now you all out of God's will because you didn't ask God what his will was. You sought your own understanding. Here's what you got to remember. Trusting God's plan means surrendering your own agenda and believe that he knows what's best for you. You got to believe it, though. Like, especially when it don't make sense. Like, that's when you got to hold on to your faith the most. Because change is hard. Am I the only one that's going to stand here and admit that? Right. Man, I got a text this morning. Huh? 
I had to plan this idea, this strategy. I'm like, da 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 da. And I get a test, like, yo, um, actually, this happened. And I was like, heck, you know. I was bothered. I don't like change. But one thing that I know for sure is that God got this. I don't have it in my I don't, I don't, I don't have it in my hands. Here you go. Here, take it back. <laughs> you got this. That's the right heart posture for us to have. I mean, I know that you think that you are all that. I know you do. You're not going to make it in church. But you really think that your supervisor needs you. You really think that you're the best ministry gift that this generation has seen. You do. You do. You ain't got to admit it. I'm going to say it for you. You really, 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 really think that you're the best thing that ever happened to your spouse. Your kids are fortunate to have you as their parent. Mm-hmm. 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 But the truth is, apart from God, you're nothing. I'm sorry. Is that okay? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are. So apart from him, who are you? The goal is to be with him. But that only happens when you are intentional about it. When you recognize, I really need his wisdom. And then when you're intentional about raising your decisions to match his word, that's when you start to get into alignment with him. And it helps you to realize just how transformative his wisdom is. See, we face situations, and as soon as the temperature gets a little hot, we think it's a total disaster. We think it's a lost cause. We think that all hope is lost because we don't recognize just how transformational his wisdom. This is the same God who spoke things into existence without touching anything. That's called a transformation. When he says, let there be light, and here comes light. When he told the waters to recede, to reveal land, that's called a transformation. And the same transformational power in Genesis is available for you in 2023. But you don't know that if you don't know him. You think you'll always be paycheck to paycheck. You think you'll always be an entry-level employee. You'll think you'll always have these marriage problems. But that's how it's always been. That's how it'll always be. 
But that's because you don't recognize that God can transform anything with a word. And he can turn night into light with just one word. Last one is that we have to routinely seek and apply God's wisdom. We have to routinely. That's the opposite of every now and then. Routinely means that on a regular basis, I'm seeking his wisdom. And on a regular basis, when he tells me what to do, I do it. It's not seasonal. And it's not occasional. I don't save it for special situations. I'm always seeking his wisdom. I'm always asking him for help. And I'm always taking what he tells me to do and I'm doing it. I may do it imperfectly. I may do it afraid. I may do it with low self-esteem. I may do it with low confidence. But I'm going to do it. Because I trust his wisdom more than I trust my own. The people in the church, the first church that we have recorded is in the book of Acts. And if we look at Acts, the 17th chapter and the 11th verse, it says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Here's the part that we need to remember. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. They wanted to know him so bad that they didn't just take Paul and Silas's word for it. They said, let me see. Let me find out. Let me pray about this. Let me search the scriptures because I want him for myself. I don't want to be just a good church member. I want to be his son. I want to be his daughter. I want to be his disciple. I want him. But that only comes with seeking after him. I, I can't give it to you. Mama can't give it to you. Your wife can't give it to you. Can't donate a prayer life to you. I can't. I can't do it. It only comes from your seek. It only comes from your seek. That intimate relationship with him that allows you to hear his voice. Some of y'all are making life decisions without even considering what the God of the universe has to say. I mean, how dare you? We have access to the God of the universe. <laughs> It's my hope and my desire that from this day forward, we start to act a little more like Solomon. Say, Lord, I'm only this because you made it so. Now, can you please tell me what to do? Now that we here, we here. What do I do with this? Start asking God, what do I do with this? What do I do with this that you've given me? 
You know what you do with it? You give it back to him. And you say, you got this. Because I trusted more in your hand than I do in my own. That takes humility, though. You got to put that marriage in his hand. You got to put that child in his hand. You got to put that business in his hand. You got to put that job in his hand. You got to put that unemployment in his hand. Because you trust him to steward it more than you trust yourself. So when the pivot points come in our life, hear me, when they show up, don't just ask him the direction, but ask him to go with you. Did you hear me what I said? Don't just ask him which way to go. Ask him to go with you. Because you're going to need him for the entire journey. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.